Before the homily, let's take care of our Mass intention. The intentions of Eileen Litka on her 100th birthday, and today is that day. So she is watching on the live stream. Yes, hello Eileen. So now I want all of her family to stand up, all of you here. There's a lot of them, God bless it, generations. So I need you all to turn around and we're gonna face that black ball in the wall. That's how Eileen is going to see us. So let's wave to her, yes. And then you're gonna be our choir today because we're gonna sing happy birthday to your mother and grandmother. Everyone else is welcome to join in. Let's try this out. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Eileen. Happy birthday to you. Let's hear it for her. Happy birthday, Eileen. At least she was invited to this party. The best parties I ever heard about, I couldn't snag an invite, so God bless her. Today we're talking about Leviticus. That's the first reading. Moses, he is the human author. The Holy Spirit is the divine author. And Leviticus was a long set of rules among the first five books of the Bible. Leviticus and Numbers lay out all these rules of the covenant for God's people, not so God could oppress them, but so that he could help them to be faithful to him. He had made everything out of nothing. He made every one that has ever existed. But of all the countries of the world, he chose Israel. They were small, they were defenseless, and yet he chose them to be his own in a most special way. He was going to be faithful to them. He wanted Israel to be faithful to him. And throughout Leviticus and Numbers then, we find the various ways in which God felt that they could do that, be faithful to him. And so Leviticus was written while the Israelites were wandering in the desert of Sinai, having been freed from 430 years of slaves in Egypt on their way to the promised land. And while they're out there, they're just living in tents in camps that move frequently as they follow a column of cloud by day and a column of fire by night as God is leading them to freedom. However, when you have so many people living in tight quarters in a place without proper sanitation or hygiene, inevitably sickness will run through the camp. We see that still today. Dysentery, malaria, so many terrible things that happen in developing countries of the world where proper hygiene and sanitation are not readily available along with clean drinking water. Well, in this case, what they feared most was the curse of the sores of leprosy. And they did view leprosy as a curse. This was a thousand years before Jesus, and even up until and after the time of Jesus, they still viewed leprosy as a curse. That what have you done to offend God so much that he would give you these pussing sores and make your appendages rot and fall off? And thus it was when someone had a sore, they didn't go to the doctor. Leviticus sends them to the priest who had no medical training to assess what is that and to determine your fate. Maybe you have a cold sore. Maybe you have a blister. Maybe you just have a bad case of acne. But God forbid, if you have an open sore in your face, you are at the fate of this priest who would determine not only your fate in the short term, but perhaps for the rest of your life. Because if he thought you looked like a leper, regardless of whether you were, you would bear that stigma for the rest of your days or at least or until that sore disappeared from your face, if ever it did. 
And thus it was, you were immediately cut off. You were thrown out of the camp. If you had a wife, she stayed behind. If you had kids, they wouldn't go with you. And this lasted all throughout their journey in the desert and all throughout their time in the promised land that you were cut off. You went from being in the very center of the community to being on the fringes, on the margins. You couldn't cover your head in the hot desert sun because people had to see you coming so they could get away from you. So highly contagious did they think this curse to be. And if you dared come towards the village, you had to demean yourself and call out unclean, unclean in reference to yourself once again to warn people danger is coming. For the Jewish people for centuries, there was such an emphasis on cleanliness and the fear of being marked as unclean, because then it was as if you are unworthy, unlovable, and untouchable. So the lepers then, for more than a thousand years, they were viewed as the walking dead. They could only live in communities with each other in the most horrid conditions you could possibly imagine. And so over time, these rules from Leviticus were expanded to the point where people who wanted to be declared clean and not unclean by the Pharisees should have nothing to do with the lepers. They shouldn't be where the lepers are or even breathe the same air as them. Well, Jesus, he didn't come to save the worldly, the wealthy, and the wise. Remember what he said? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And so he came for those on the margins, the forgotten ones, the last, the lowest, the least, the lame, the leper. Yes, he's a good shepherd who would leave the 99 to look for the most lost, wounded, wandering, and forgotten lamb. And that's why he encounters this leper in the very first chapter of Mark's gospel. As far as the Pharisees are concerned, Jesus, you get, in, you get near him, his burden becomes yours, unclean. Whether you get leprosy or not, we'll just say it. And Jesus, too, will bear that stigma. But he would willingly take that on himself because he wants to provide help where it is most needed and healing to those who are most wounded. The Pharisees, they could only see the sore. Jesus saw the suffering. And as a shepherd who has pity for his sheep or suffering, he wanted to do something about it. And because he is God, because he is powerful, and because he is merciful, he does will it, and the man is made clean. But Jesus, he does better than just getting the man's skin back to where it was when he became a leper. Instead, he makes it as soft, as supple as it was when he was a newborn. That's healing in the hands of God. He gave him one stipulation. Shh, don't go broadcasting this to everyone. Jesus was already having trouble moving about freely. It's only the first chapter of the gospel. And yet news of him has spread so far and wide. He can't eat. He can't sleep. He can't pray because they're just everywhere. And there's more and there's more and there's more. And he said, they don't need to know about this. There's enough people following me already. But the man breaks that one rule. How can he not tell people, look what he's done to me. Look what he's done for me. He's getting his life back. Remember, they're like the walking dead, these lepers. For him, it's like a resurrection. Jesus, he knew the man was going to break this rule because he's God and he knows everything. But what he didn't do is punish him. He didn't believe that his leprosy was a punishment in the first place. And he didn't give it back to him because he broke the rule. He sent him on his way. Go sing God's praise and know that God has touched your life today. And that's what the church has done throughout these 21 centuries. Where others see the sore, we see the suffering, and we try to do something about it. 
That's why the church is the greatest force for good the world has ever known since Jesus came the first time. And the church will remain in that role until he comes again. Being the arms of Jesus, reaching out to a world where there are still people on the margins. There are still people who are forgotten, the unlovable, the untouchable, the unclean. They are welcome here. There are some saints who have done this better than others. When you walk up on the stairs to come in, the new entrance by the elevator and the baptismal font, there are saints all around you in those windows. Saints who had a profound experience on the Catholic life in the new world. And at the landing on the stairs on the one side, we have Blessed Solanus Casey, the porter of St. Bonaventure's in Detroit. Next to him, Damien de Voister, better known in history as the leper priest of Molokai. He was born in Belgium in 1840. And as a young man, Damien felt a call not just to be a priest, but to be a missionary, to go to the far-off places to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the age of 24, he got his first missionary assignment. He was told, you're going to leave your native Belgium and you're going to go halfway across the world. Such hardship. Damien was assigned to Honolulu. Most of us would volunteer if that was the destination. Young Damien arrives in Honolulu, which at that point was not part of America. It was the kingdom of Hawaii. It's 1864. He's 24. He's ordained a priest there. Not a single member of his family present. And for the next nine years, Father Damien has only one task, celebrate the sacraments and teach the children of the rich. But the longer that went on, he thought, well, why did I have to come here to do that? I could be teaching people back in my native land. God must have a reason why he brought me all the way here from my home. And he found that purpose in 1873 when he was looking at an advertisement in the local Catholic press. And there was a very small ad that said, a priest is needed to volunteer to work among the lepers at the colony called Kalopapa on the island of Molokai. Damien was the only one that volunteered to go there. No one else would. Why? Because going among the lepers at Kalapapa was a one-way ticket to hell. No one would ever be able to come back. The kingdom of Hawaii had a big problem on their hands. They were the only habitable set of islands between the New World and the Orient, and as such, there was a lot of commerce and shipping that went through there. And those drunken sailors certainly left travesty in their wake with several outbreaks of sexually transmitted diseases, the flu, and yes, leprosy. In order to protect the native population of this small archipelago, the kingdom of Hawaii sanctioned off the land at Kalapapa on the Isle of Molokai and dumped the lepers there with nothing. Over the course of a century, 8,000 lepers were sent there to die. When Damien arrived in 1873, there were 816 of them on the shore watching. The boat wouldn't come anywhere near them. They put him on a little raft, and he had to row himself onto the beach. These people didn't trust him, and they didn't think he would stay. Maybe he'd stay the night, but as soon as he smelt the horror, saw their pussing wounds, he'd be gone, just like all the others. But Damien did stay, and he was determined. He felt pity for them because they were like sheep, without a shepherd. That's why he was the only one to volunteer in the first place. In order to gain their trust, he decided, let's bring order to chaos. Before he was a priest, he was a carpenter. The first thing he built them, and there wasn't a single structure there when he arrived, the first thing he built was a chapel dedicated to the child virgin martyr Saint Philomena. So these people who have nothing at least had a place to worship God. 
From there, he helped them to build their own huts, the first dwellings they ever had at Kalapapa. He helped them build beds and tables, caskets to bury their dead. And yes, he celebrated the sacraments for them. And yes, he loved them, but they never felt he was one of them. You see, when everyone's a leper and you're not, you're the outcast. And Damien felt that gravely for the first 11 years of his ministering among these people who no one looked upon with any human dignity or compassion whatsoever until he arrived. Things changed in 1884. Damien was 44 years old and he backed up one day and accidentally stuck his leg into a pot of boiling water. He didn't even cry out. He felt nothing. That was the day his life changed forever. As he wrote to his brother, finally, he had become a leper to the lepers that he might gain all for Jesus Christ. And that is when the last holdouts truly welcomed him into their community because the last barrier was down. He had become one of them. He was now one with them to the end. And whereas Father Damien had spent 11 years dressing their wounds, scraping their pussing sores, and burying their dead, they spent the last years of his life doing the same for him until he died in 1889 at the age of 49. They released his body to send that back to his grieving mother in Belgium, but they kept his heart because those lepers truly believed that belonged to them. Like Jesus, Father Damien, he was able to see the suffering where only others could see the sore. And sometimes we find ourselves in the same mindset today when we look upon other people, when we're out and about, when we're watching the television, whatever the case may be, we see how different they are. We start making assumptions about what kind of life they live, what kind of choices they make that have ended them up looking like that and acting that way. Who are we to stand in judgment over them? Instead, we would do well to follow the advice given us in these scriptures, do everything for the glory of God. And so where others see the sore, we will see the suffering and we will do something about it.